United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right, the NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, Here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and welcome to another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, where we are cutting edge, always trying to tackle the biggest issues of the day for soccer in America. And just this month, U.S. Soccer introduced their bio-banding initiative. That's bio-banding, B-I-O, banding, B-A-N-D-I-N-G. With this, there's going to be four girls and boys U.S. Soccer Development Academy clubs that will participate in the first ever biologically banded games. Clubs will field two teams arranged by biological maturity. Now, as part of its ongoing effort to develop world-class players, coaches, and referees, the U.S. Soccer High Performance Department will work in conjunction with these four development academy clubs to put on the first bio-banded event in any sport in the United States. It will also be the first organized event of its kind featuring female soccer athletes. Now, bio-banding allows players to be grouped based on their maturity and biological age and not by their chronological age. By doing this, massive swings in maturity that can be seen within the current chronological groupings are removed. By grouping players based on maturity, the physical advantages that early maturing players have when playing against less mature players are reduced. Hosted this weekend by Lone Star SC Academy at the Round Rock Multipurpose Complex in Austin, Texas, eight teams formed by biological age, not chronological age, will compete in two 80-minute games that will follow Development Academy standards. Lone Star SC Academy will be joined by Boys and Girls Clubs Dallas Texans and Solar Soccer Club, as well as Houston Dash Youth Girls and Houston Dynamo Youth Boys. Participating clubs will form two bio-banded teams, each grouped by similar maturity status, made up of players within their U14, U15, and U16-17 rosters. The bio-banding initiative will be used to help support the research and understanding of the science to further aid all development academy clubs. Finally, as an additional player developmental tool, bio-banding will allow participating academy club coaches and staff and U.S. soccer talent identification to evaluate players in an environment where physical advantages are less of a factor. After the event, the U.S. Soccer High Performance Department will continue to work with all development academy clubs looking to expand their player development tools with bio-banding. As a landmark event in all of American youth sports, the bio-banding initiative marks another stride in U.S. soccer player development. In recent years, U.S. soccer has created a futures camp, which invites late maturing and players born in the second half of the calendar year to compete in a youth national team camp. In the Development Academy, clubs have the ability to nominate late maturing players who are able to play with an age group below their chronological designation so that they are able to thrive and not struggle with physicality. As I said earlier, we try to be cutting edge on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. And maybe cutting edge isn't quite the right word, but we definitely like to be timely and we like to be topical. So with this bio-banding initiative truly getting set this weekend in Austin, Ian Barker, the amazing director of coaching for the United Soccer Coaches, thought it would be fitting to have a discussion across different pockets of youth soccer. So on this program coming up, it will in fact be Ian Barker to lead it off. He'll 
get us started. And then Sam Snow, longtime director of coaching for U.S. Youth Soccer and now a consultant for U.S. Soccer, will offer his take. Paul Bright, the new director of coaching for AYSO United, also will jump in. Christian Lavers, the president of the ECNL, which he will clearly state still has philosophical differences, of course, with U.S. soccer because they started their academies. Certainly ECNL has been working for quite some time. But with all that said, he also opens his mind to this process of bio-banding. And then finally, Vince Ginsberg, who is the educational contact coordinator for United Soccer Coaches. He's worked for all these groups, and he's worked for U.S. Soccer, so we thought he would put a bow on the conversation. Now, to get things started, and Ian Barker always has a great way of setting the tone, right, setting the table, he said it would be perfect to go ahead and play the animated video produced by the great folks at U.S. Soccer, which also are responsible for all the information we've shared so far on the BioBanding initiative going on this weekend in Austin. You can go to U.S. Soccer, search BioBanding. You'll get these frequently asked questions, and you'll also get this great cartoon, for lack of a better word. Obviously, you won't see the cartoon, but if you listen to it, you'll truly understand what bio-banding is all about. Here we go. Meet Gabriella and Tyler. They're both 13 years old and have matured early for their age. They're taller, stronger, and faster compared to their teammates on their local soccer team. This is Diego and Mia. They're also 13 years old and will mature later than their teammates. Right now, they're smaller, weaker, and slower. Since Gabriella and Tyler have matured early, it's easier for them to place more emphasis on their physical attributes and less on their technical ability. At the same time, Diego and Mia are just as skilled, but because they haven't matured as quickly, they struggle to keep up with the speed or physical nature of the game. Children grow and mature at different rates. That's just how it works, right? There's nothing you can do to change that. What's the big deal? In sports like soccer, the difference in maturity at a young age can create a false impression for coaches who often perceive players who mature early to be more talented. The players that mature later might be more technically gifted, but aren't able to show this at the time. That's a problem. In order to improve the overall quality of soccer in the US, it's important for coaches to have the tools to identify and cultivate the best players, not just the ones who mature the fastest. In fact, extensive research has shown that advanced physical attributes observed in youth athletes are poor predictors of success at the adult level. This means that there could be a budding national team or pro player that goes unnoticed just because she or he is a late maturing athlete. This is where biobanding comes in. Biobanding is an effective and accurate method of assessing all young athletes' growth and maturation status. So, how does it work? Biobanding is the process of grouping players based on attributes associated with growth and maturation, rather than chronological age. It's not about playing everyone who is the same height or grouping players by how much they weigh. Rather, with some simple measurements, a bit of research, and using mathematical calculations, it's possible to predict a child's future adult height and the percentage they are from reaching their future stature. By having the growth and maturation information for all players within the chronological age groups, it's then possible to bring players of similar maturity from different age groups to play together. By grouping players this way, coaches can create an optimal environment where both early and late maturing athletes can thrive while supporting them to better identify talent. 
This creates new challenges for early maturing players who are biobanded with those with similar physical attributes, which encourages them to use and develop their technical and tactical skills. Late maturing players have a greater opportunity to perform in an environment without being suppressed by a lack of physicality, which helps them reach their fullest potential too. Coaches are also able to evaluate a player in a fairer environment, allowing them to judge the player on their overall potential without being biased by their maturity level. This sounds great. Why not bioband every training session and match then? Biobanding is a useful additional tool for player development, identification, and retention, but it shouldn't be thought of as a straight swap for the chronological age group system. Like most things, variety and different challenges are needed to provide the optimal daily environment for players to develop. At US Soccer, we use biobanding and other innovative development tools to help to develop world-class players, coaches, and referees. Doing this brings us even closer to achieving our mission of making soccer the preeminent sport in the United States. For more information, please visit us at ussoccer.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ian Barker was right. That was fun, wasn't it? We thank U.S. Soccer. Remind you, you can learn more about biobanding by going to ussoccer.com. Ian Barker kicks off our discussion on biobanding after this message from Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to Team Snap united Once again, here's Dean Linky. With the table set, you just heard the incredible work from U.S. Soccer explaining in their best way, even dumbing it down for someone like me to try to understand bio-banding. With that table set, Ian Barker will start the show. He is the Director of Coaching Education for the United Soccer Coaches. He is a regular on this program, and we're so glad he is. Ian Barker, thanks for being with us. Dean, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Ian, let me first say you know me well, and you directed me to the right spot for that little cartoon that fit me perfectly. It really does do a good job explaining, though, what U.S. soccer is trying to do, right, with biobanding? Yes, I think the, uh, that little four-minute video is excellent. And I think before anybody gets too far into the discussion to the positive or with concerns or anxieties, they should listen to that four minutes because I think that sums up really well. Uh, this is a positive initiative but also one that we use judiciously. Okay, and yeah, and they just heard it as well right before this session with you. All right, Ian, first off, let's talk about the decision uh, with you kind of spearheading this discussion to have AYSO, U.S. Youth Soccer, ECNL, and then also player development covered all under the auspices, of course, of United Soccer Coaches. Why this group right now? My... uh inspiration to to bring this to your attention and, and maybe get it out there a little bit was that um, there was some publicity around U.S. soccer's announcement of the introduction of biobanding. Um, but a lot of the responses I picked up on in social media were quite negative or angst-ridden. And so what I thought was a good opportunity was for the major youth groups, um, U.S. club or ECNL, U.S. youth soccer, AYSO, um, and anybody else that wanted to contribute was for those organizations to say how this might impact them or maybe it won't impact them at all. Um, so I thought it was a good opportunity to, to sort of take the discussion to a slightly more contextual and practical level. Well, and obviously the timing is good because, as I said in the open, even before hearing the animation, 
this weekend in Texas, in Austin, in fact, eight teams formed by biological age, not not chronological age, will compete in two 80-minute games. So there we have it. This weekend, we will see firsthand a pretty good idea of what this is all about. Right, Ian? Yes, it's a, a great opportunity for U.S. soccer in a somewhat controlled environment to um, give the biobanding uh, a run-through. It'll be great to get the feedback of the coaches, um, but certainly the feedback of the players and parents. So that biologically um, deemed to be slightly smaller, let's say, 14-year-old who's gone down and played with the 12-year-old, it'll be interesting to see what their uh, experience is, if there's a positive one, because they're physically more um, well-matched, but are they going to be happy with being in with the younger kids? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, Equally, as a young kid now playing with some older, maturer, socially and mature cognitively kids. And then um, beyond that, and this is really important in the youth market, unless it's in an almost exclusively sort of MLS market where the, the players are not being um, charged to participate, are the parents going to be satisfied with biobanding as opposed to chronological age? One would hope so. And one would hope so because as U.S. soccer has very clearly stated, this is not an exclusive thing. It's a it's another tool in the player development arsenal. It's not something you do exclusively. So I, I'm hoping that people go into it with a great spirit and, um, and really give it a, a good try and a good trial. And U.S. soccer has certainly taken that initiative in this first instance. With your vast experience in coaching education, your vast experience as a coach, identifying player talent as well, I'll just ask you this open-ended. How can biobanding help in your view, Ian Barker, and how could it maybe not help? Well, Let's go with uh, with the glass half empty. Um, I think you you would have concerns about the socio emotional maturity of a player and their cognitive maturity as well. So um, just because I can physically run with with children um, older than me, maybe I can't really you know hang out in the locker room with them or make the right socializations. So that would be a concern. Um, I wonder what would have happened to Messi because if the idea is Messi is particularly is smaller and, and young, uh, smaller and physically less, would he have actually been put down age groups, which would have been really interesting in the case of uh, Lionel Messi. For sure. Um, however, the greatest takeaway is that this this has got to be something that's worth experimenting with. In the case of biobanding, they're looking at the player's height uh, and then based on projections where that kid will end up based on the parent's height. That might be too scientific in a typical youth club, grassroots club. What we did um, in the Olympic Development Program was we actually started breaking our players down into six-month birth birth windows, which really, really helped. So on the ODP, we'd have, let's say, a 2,000-age group team, the A team, but then we would have a second team, and that would be exclusively July to December birthdays. So it's quite crude, but it just took took it from 12 months down to six months. And for us in ODP – in, uh, in the Midwest region, it was a huge plus. We kept a whole bunch more players around um, because they were, they were able to express themselves much more safely and adequately uh, with, with players just that little bit less mature physically. So it was real positive. I am uh, thinking about the impact you made on the interview with Ziggy Schmid, talking about uh, bringing Zlatan Ibrahimovic on, and then Ziggy just was an open book. And one of the questions you definitely wanted to have asked is some late maturing players that even go all the way through the college programs as opposed to the academy. And that, that's a perfect example of how biobanding might be able to help, right? 
if the environment is one where the, it's highly competitive, and that's to say that the coaches are expected to generate wins, then inevitably the coach is going to select the players that give him or her the best chance to win because that is the benchmark for their position in the club, their compensation packages, etc. And, and you can kind of understand that. Um, you might not like it, but you can kind of understand it. The hope would be that in our academy systems, um, bigger player pools, um, less emphasis on winning, which is certainly a statement and a, a stated intent of U.S. soccer, that would be the case. Um, but the reality is, the simple reality is, coaches have egos, um, clubs, MLS academies, they want to be seen to be competitively successful as well as successful in developing players. So it's never it's never a perfect, and I, I, I would really challenge anybody to say they've come up with the perfect matrix of doing the right by the individual player and also generating enough wins or enough success to attract people in. Because you, you can't get you know, people to come to your club if you're not winning games and trophies. So I think it's a, it's a, a little bit of a back and forth. But I, I, I think there's more and more people entering the debate. And I think we are in a much healthier place today than we were five years ago and certainly 30 years ago when I started coaching in this country. Later on, we'll hear from Christian Lavers, the president of the ECNL, which, uh, you know, he admits still has philosophical differences with U.S. soccer on many different levels. But what he did say, I'm for anything that makes our national teams better. Will this make our national teams better, in your opinion? I think absolutely that the addition of this conversation and then some real genuine testing and commitment to it on the part of U.S. soccer will only mean that we, we, we throw a broader net um, and we keep different players around with different intentions and different motivations. So um, I very much hope uh, that U.S. soccer uh, stays the path with this initiative, um, tries to educate and help us where maybe groups that can't do quite the science of biobanding that perhaps the academy systems can and how they might employ it. But uh, to Christian's point, anything that can make us better um, is important, and I definitely think this is, is part of that for sure. Finally, one of the things you love, Ian, in your role with United Soccer Coaches and across the board, everything with United Soccer Coaches is a unifier. So from where you sit as the unifier, what kind of role do you want to play as you take a look, maybe even from afar, maybe from up close, at what U.S. soccer is doing with this biobanding? Well, it's a great question, Dean. And much like in, in, uh, initiatives and innovations in the education space, um, the player development initiatives, which continue to be fleshed out with small-sided games and birth years as opposed to grades. I do think, I do think our soccer public needs to be patient, um, which is difficult because when you've got kids and they have a relatively short window of time to be a youth player before they become a college player, um, it is difficult to be patient. But I think with initiatives like this, clearly it can't be, um, it can't be put in overnight. It can't be perfected overnight. And I think as a soccer public, um, we need to be patient. If you look at the disappointment with the men's national team in regards to Trinidad and Tobago, a huge setback on many levels, um, including media and, and other energies. However, it does give us a period of time to regroup and reconsider. So I just think in, in our business, in our, our uh, community, as we look to vie for our space with all the other American sports and up-and-coming sports, um, that would like to, you know, do what soccer's done, because um, I think there's pressure from behind in sports as well as pressure from ahead. Um, we've got to stay the course. 
and we've got to try to find common ground and collaborate to the best of our ability. I think that is what we as soccer fans and soccer community members, we owe it to the community to, to be looking for the glass half full for sure. What a great start to this discussion on bio banding and our leadoff man, as always, Ian Barker, the Director of Coaching Education for United Soccer Coaches. Ian, thanks for giving us this platform and uh, look forward to a great show. Thanks, Dean. Always a pleasure. Okay, Ian Barker with the leadoff. Up next, another regular, Sam Snow, longtime Director of Coaching for U.S. Youth Soccer, now a key consultant for that organization. It's Sam Snow next on Biobanding. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Talking bio-banding. That's right, bio-banding on today's edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. We hope you enjoyed the cartoon animation audio that you heard about bio-banding. And then Ian Barker kicking it off a little later on. We'll have Christian Lavers of the ECNL. We'll also have guests from the AYSO and then also player development for the United Soccer Coaches. We now will move, as promised, to U.S. Youth Soccer and Sam Snow, who was the longtime director of coaching for U.S. Youth Soccer and now serves as a consultant. That means he's smart. And Sam Snow joins me now. Sam, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dean. All right, Sam, you got to be smart to totally wrap your arms around what U.S. Soccer is doing this weekend in Texas you got to start somewhere, right? And you need to, as Ian said, we need to experiment. We need to go into this with a glass-half-full approach. Is that your assessment of how we've got to approach this bio-banding, particularly this weekend in Texas? Yes, I think it's a, it's a great experiment. It's been done in a few uh, professional clubs or their youth teams uh, of professional clubs in Europe, and it's certainly something that uh, we should be exploring here in the United States. So I'm looking forward to... Um, the experiment taking place with those particular clubs in South Texas, and uh, I know it'll um, uh, be an interesting uh, outcome for all of us to take a look at. What do you think can be learned from observing bio-banding? The big hope is that it levels out the athleticism. Uh, so, of course, it's, it's aimed a good deal at the early bloomer, who uh, just athletically is, is bigger, faster, stronger than his or her peers, and uh, therefore could end up um, um, dominating the game just out of their athletic ability. Uh, so once that is back to a, a level uh, surface, level playing field among the players who are out on the field during the game, uh, then uh, athletic ability alone isn't the factor that can decide a game. And how will it help and how could it possibly hurt? It, I think it's going to help for sure with those uh, – those early bloomers, um, in terms of them participating with other early bloomers, uh, what I've liked from the, the video that you just mentioned uh, from U.S. Soccer is that uh, it's also trying to take into account and be aware of the late bloomers. Now, the late bloomers, as I understand it, may not be involved in this particular event, but that's something that uh, if this event goes well and there's some good data that shows that it's something that we should all of us across the country be doing, then uh, perhaps another bio band group could be the, 
the late bloomers, all of this being decided uh, purely on their uh, um, their growth rates, uh, their physical growth rates, and uh, so that that's trying to take into some scientific measure the um, the athletic ability of the kids, be it early bloomers. Uh, late bloomers, or even the middle of the bell curve group, which will be the vast majority. When you think about implementation and execution, you know, Ian gave a pretty good example of the ODP days where they shorten it to six-month periods just on their birth dates. Are you concerned about uh, any implementation or execution as we push forward with biobanding? Well, it's going to be difficult for uh, a lot of clubs to be able to do the science correctly. That, that's one of the pieces that I hope to see from U.S. soccer uh, is uh, how we are, are the measurements of the players done, uh, you know, and how does it plug into the, the formula that uh, gives some percentages as to projecting. Uh, is this athlete, um, what percentage are they to their, their maximum height, uh, their adult height, uh, so it's it's going to be a factor that some training is going to have to go on uh, with a lot of clubs from the sports science division, the high performance division of U.S. soccer, uh, so that all of that can be done correctly. Sam, we just heard Ian Barker say one of the things that uh, he you know he's always glass half full, but he did say, boy, I wonder if Messi would have been Messi if he only played with you know little tiny tots like Messi. What's your assessment on that thought? Well, I, I, I see his point because, of course, biobanding uh, really only takes into account peak height velocity, that is, the kid's growth spurt, and then from that being able to try to project what their maximum adult height is going to be. It doesn't really, uh, as I understand it, tell us a whole lot more about their potential athletic ability, so speed, uh, balance, agility, those sort of things. And then that's all just one factor of, of course, being a top-notch player, you know, the rest of it is ball skills and mental attitude and tactical understanding of the game. So, yeah, would Messi have been um, shortchanged if he had been with players only of his uh, height? Well, that's going to depend a lot on what other characters they bring along uh, as high-performance players. As a longtime key player with U.S. Youth Soccer, as I said, longtime director of coaching, now a consultant who continues to be involved with U.S. Youth Soccer. Speaking for that entity, U.S. Youth Soccer believes what U.S. Soccer is doing with biobanding is... Good. It's a good experiment, whether or not it becomes the new uh, norm in, in the years to come remains to be seen, but... Uh, USU soccer would be of the same mind as, as Ian Barker's uh, thought of, you know, we do need to experiment with some different ways to, to take a look into good player development environments. And uh, so the fact that we're trying to do that, U.S. soccer is trying to do that, is indeed a step in the right direction. Okay. One of the things that I'm asking everybody, because – Christian Laver said at the very end, and you know, he admitted that he does have some philosophical differences with U.S. soccer. We all know that. But he said, you know what? If this helps make our national teams better, I'm all in. Does it make our national teams better? It might make the youth national teams better. I don't know if it'll have a trickle-up effect uh, into the senior national teams. You know, there's just been so many factors and uh, that go into – uh, players coming out of the professional ranks to be part of the full national teams. Uh, so I, I'm of the opinion that, that the success of the national teams probably rests a whole lot more on the professional experience of those players 
but at the youth national team level, um, the youth club experience and what kind of environment those young players are in, that, that could have a trickle-up effect for sure. All right, finally here, Sam Snow, knowing that uh, you know these teams that are participating this weekend in Austin. When it's all over, what are one of the first two questions you want to ask the coaches and maybe even the players that participated in this event? I want to ask both the coaches and the players just their gut reaction to uh, whether or not they thought it was a good soccer environment, uh, whether the right kind of an environment that, that gave them challenges as players and as coaches in a positive fashion that caused them to have to raise their game. Uh, and then I want to ask them uh, if the players, uh, is this in an environment, uh, are these the types of teams that you would like to, to be a part of uh, next year or the year after? Uh, and if uh, the, the kids find it that it's something that they're really be interested in doing, then uh, it's something that we have to take an even closer look at. Sam, what do you think the parents are going to say about it? I think parents, by and large, are going to be okay with with the whole experience if their kids are okay with the whole experience. They want their kids in, in good soccer environments, and they want best for their, their children. And if the kids think it's a good thing for them and helping their soccer development, and the coaches do too, then they'll probably support that. Uh, I guess there will be some questions for some kids, perhaps their parents and too, of uh, friendships that they've had in, in current teams if they then move into a team that's bio-banded and not necessarily are you taking along with you uh, some of your friends from your current teams. But I think with the teams that we're talking about from the particular clubs that we're talking about, uh, they are players who are in tryout environments annually anyway, and there's never a guarantee that you know, all of your friends are going to make the team the following year or even yourself. So uh, those kids, I, I think, uh, probably are fairly well adjusted to the fact that they're going to have a different array of teammates to some degree every year. Sam, I'm pretty positive you would 100% get bored with me, but I can tell you I could talk to you every single edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. You're always great and always gracious with your time. Thanks for being on this very important topic today as we break down U.S. soccer's newest initiative with biobanding. Thanks for being with us, Sam. Thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate the opportunity. Sam Snow, U.S. Youth Soccer. Up next, Paul Bright, Director of Coaching for AYSO United. He's from Manchester, where he's familiar with biobanding at the professional level. Paul Bright, AYSO, his take on biobanding when we come back. By being a member of the United Soccer Coaches, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find coaches who are passionate about bettering themselves and their players. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org to find out more. Now, once again, here's our host, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I am Dean Linky, and I am delighted to be with you on what is a big topic day, right? Bio-banding. U.S. soccer with their big tournament going on this weekend in Austin, Texas, where girls and boys teams are grouped by the, quote, bio-banding initiative. Ian Barker, the longtime director of coaching education for United Soccer Coaches, got us going. Sam Snow from U.S. Youth Soccer gave his take. Later on, Christian Lavers from ECNL will give his take. And as promised, we'll also hear from AYSO. And with that, we're delighted to be joined by Paul Bright, who is the director of coaching for AYSO United. And he joins us now. Mr. Bright, thanks for being with us. 
No problem. Thank you for having me. We always try to increase the value of the show by having great accents, so you uh, fit that bill. It's even sharper than Ian's right now, so thank you so much for that, Paul, for sure. With that, you know, you're from Manchester. Pretty good soccer over there. Is there bio-banding going on over in England? Yes, a number of the professional clubs and organizations are starting to explore bio-banding and the options available to them as as a development tool and as an assessment tool, really. Um, for a number of years in, in the professional academies, players um, have played up and down. So it's not always players playing up because they need that challenge. Other players have also been played down. Notable um, players include Jesse Lingard, who's now at Manchester United. He was played down. Oxlade Chamberlain, who's now at Liverpool but came through Southampton's academy programme, was also played down He was as he was seen as a late developer. And it was about giving players the challenge and... and making sure that they can thrive and, and the coaches ultimately knew what they were looking for in terms of the technical ability and, and the tactical game understanding and putting those young players in the right environments at the right time. Okay, so from where you sit, uh, what was your takeaway from everything you learned and from your peers over in England, particularly as we move to now here in the States? You know, biobanding, there's still, there's still a lot more research what needs to go around it. Uh, to, to really show the effects on development and, and the effects they can have. There's also, obviously, further work required around how we actually measure the maturation rates of, of young players. Um, obviously, that, that calls for um, a collaboration between the sports science world, the medical world, and, and then the coaching world. So there's still a lot of collaborative efforts to be done to really understand the research around it. Obviously, it's admirable that the U.S. soccer uh, federation are committed to to bio banning and looking at other development models and ways to to assess and view players and help them develop and obviously AYSO as an organization um will support and and, and get involved in any of the research around um bio banding and any other such uh, projects and and development initiatives that the, the federation wants to roll out it's uh you know there the probably is a place for it in in the professional game especially and for those you know those da clubs maybe but i think more research needs to be done around um you know the true effects of, of putting players down as their uh, biological age over their chronological age at times so it's it's going to be interesting it's great that these conversations are being had in the united states if i'm honest yeah, I liked that answer, and I also liked that you included the fact that uh, AYSO was very much interested in helping, because as you know, when you think about AYSO, you're thinking about making sure everybody gets to play, and it's yeah. about the enjoyment, And but you know what? There could be a way to experiment at different age levels as well, right, with this biobanding concept. Is that correct? Yeah, of course, and again, you know, we've got to be careful with this the information, what goes out to to coaches, players and parents has got to be correct, it's got to be factual it's got to be 100% accurate um, will AYSO look at it, That's, I think those are further discussions to be had within the organisation obviously now that the United States Soccer Federation have addressed um, and put out their proposals around it, it's something that as an organisation of course we have to now consider we also have to consider the appropriateness uh, for, for the players involved in our programmes and, and the players as a whole across the country, really, and, and making sure that the key for me is that any any proposal and any development initiative that gets rolled out, it has to be for the benefit of the players. It has to it has to help those players improve and develop 
um, and we need that research around it. And I think because of the contact time within the development academies and within those professional structures and, and those MLS clubs with the youth programmes, I think they they may be best placed initially to roll some of this out and get that solid research. But that's not to say that players shouldn't be playing up or down. And sometimes it comes down to the individual player. You know, what biobanding doesn't address is, is the, the psychological maturation. So it's, you know, there's still a lot of... It's great that these discussions are being had, but there's still a lot of questions that go alongside it as well. Speaking of questions, and I asked the same question to Sam Snow, I asked him, you know, look, knowing that uh, he knows some of these coaches and even some of the kids playing this weekend in Texas in this first-ever bio-banded tournament, what would you want to ask the coaches after they get done with this weekend? I'd be asking the coaches, you know, what's the difference? You know, did you, did you see um, did you see what you was looking for in terms of that real technical and tactical component now being highlighted once the physical bias has, has been removed? Did we see that? But those coaches may also know a number of the players and may want to see them in their biological age group playing. And again, you know, everyone's got opinions on, on players and teams and clubs, and that's why it's a fantastic game that anybody can get involved with. Opinions make the game, you know, make the game uh, go round, so to speak. So uh, my question would be, did, did it have the effect you hope it would have? Did you see the results that you were hoping that you would see? And then what place does it play in, in the selection of players and in, in the development models in, in the United States moving forward? Well, you said moving forward. So one of the key things that every guest today has basically said, and I, and I got to give Christian Labors for being the one that said it the most because he still has a little bit of philosophical differences, of course, with ECNL outside of the academy. And that is, look, I'm all in if anything, including biobanding, helps make the U.S. national teams better. Do you think it'll make the U.S. national teams better? <laughs> That's the million-dollar question. Um, you know, it's it's another it's another process. It's another initiative. It's another development tool for coaches and players. If done correctly, maybe again the, the research needs to be out there. What I, what I like about the the initiative and the proposal is that now we're having conversations around making sure when players are being assessed, it's in the right environment and there's different ways to assess players. One of the things what probably happens in the United States, and I know it's happened in Europe for a number of years, especially in, in the UK, is you know the, the bigger, stronger players obviously dominate the game at times, and these are the players who can stand out in a game. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they are going to be the most talented players moving forward as they develop. It's just because of their physical prowess, they can dominate the game. What we need to probably be doing in this country is making sure coaches understand what they're looking at and what they're looking for which is, you know, the technical capabilities and the tactical understanding and the impact players can have within the game. I, I, when I uh, analyse players personally, I look at very, very few things. First touch, so now I can see technically can a player deal with the ball, can they, can they perform all, all the, the technical requirements. I look at the last touch, so the last touch is the decision-making, the tactical understanding, so... Did they shoot when they, there was a better pass on, or did they, they cross, or did they hold on to the ball too long? You know, what what did the last touch inform inform the correct decision or not? And then, you know, I look at desire, willingness to learn, and then after all that, I'm looking at can they can they meet the demands of the game physically? So I'm already looking at the technical and tactical components, and if bio banding can create that environment where 
you know, those technical and tactical components are now becoming, you know, to the fore and are under scrutiny over the physical components, and I think that will develop the game. Well, that's a great answer and a great way to end our time with Paul Bright from AYSO United. Paul, really enjoyed getting to know you and appreciate uh, you going in-depth and also sharing what you learned over in England, bringing it over here with a strong eye on the future development for U.S. soccer. Well done, my man. Thanks so much for being with us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Christian Labors, president of ECNL, next with his take on Biobanding. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help their customers save time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. Rolling right along, a regular, and I mean regular, on the United Soccer Coaches podcast for several years on many topics has been the very eloquent, the very smart, I consider him uh, presidential material. I've told him that before. We're talking about Christian Lavers, who in fact is the president of ECNL, and he's also the technical director for FC Wisconsin, and he always has his hand on the heartbeat of the pulse of soccer in this country. Christian, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. And with uh, introductions like that, I'm happy to come back anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean it. You certainly are uh, a super smart guy. And I know that uh, you're not going to hold back here. We just um, heard from a lot of people from uh, different aspects of soccer in this country, which continues to be part of the makeup. And we're kind of diving into biobanding and why U.S. soccer is doing that, especially why they're doing it this weekend, actually in Texas. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. From where you sit, you know, with the ECNL and knowing that there's been you know can i say this a little bit of conflict on how you know or what's the best way to say that christian on on your relationship with u.s soccer right now Uh, i would say philosophical differences but we still support the success of the national teams perfect and i love that so we're going to roll with that so with that knowing what's going on in texas this weekend with this bio banding tournament for lack of a better word give me your overall from way up high where you sit on what they're doing well, uh, you know, from 10,000 feet, I think the first thing is that, you know, what you said, it'll be interesting what the feedback and perspective is after the event. And, and obviously, uh, we can only guess at that now. Um, but I think any, any attention and education that is uh, shared or, uh, or information that is shared, that kids develop at different rates, um, that uh, physical maturity uh, and, pu- and puberty and peak height velocity, whatever you want to call it, happens at different times uh, and that that impacts how players uh, move and, and how they learn and how, how successful they are. Uh, for those who are not aware of that, I think anything that shares information on that is a positive. So uh, it, it's a rea- reality that uh, kids that develop early and become bigger, faster, stronger tend to rely too much on physical attributes in, in competition I think a lot of people uh, know that, but for those who don't, that's, that's great information to provide. Um, so I think, you know, attention to this is, is great. I think there's a lot more to consider than just physical maturity or, or where somebody is in, in sort of the, the puberty cycle when you're talking about a developmental environment. So how this biobanding initiative is balanced with things like their emotional development, things like their peer groups. Um, I think that will be, that will be interesting because it's not a silver bullet. And it's, and, and I think that that's the easiest way to say it. 
Okay, so then from where you sit, let's go positive and negative, or maybe those aren't the right words, but how can bio-banding help and how can bio-banding hurt? Well, and I, you know, I think the first part is, you know, for, for a player who is bigger, faster, stronger, and doesn't have to, to use their thinking or doesn't have to read the game to be successful because they can just push people over or run by people, um, playing them against others of similar physical capability will uh, force them to find other tools to be successful. And I think that's, that's a positive. Um, at the same time, younger kids, or I shouldn't say younger, physically younger, physically more immature uh, or late developing kids that have a very difficult time being successful um, competitively uh, or, or in, a, in a training environment because they are pushed aside or, or outrun to any, any free ball, uh, for them to play in an environment where they can, ha- where physicality doesn't create so many problems for them, uh, can also be very good for them. Um, you know, I, I would say it's, it's also, it's, 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 so that's a positive. Uh, and I think play, putting players in environments like that is, is good. I know, uh, Jerry McCune in the U.S. Club ID2 program has for a long time had, you know, I think his terminology was bigs and littles in terms of games to, to help, uh, be able to see what, what is it that players can do beyond the physical capability? Um, and sometimes the physical capability really can render moot some of the technical or, or decision-making. Um, but I think, you know, on the, on the flip side, you have to say uh, a kid can be physically developed, but uh, emotionally uh, not at the same level as their, uh, as their early physical development. Um, there's peer groups to consider. Moving, moving somebody to a younger peer group uh, because they're physically smaller, uh, that has social uh, ramifications potentially for those players um, and can feel almost like a demotion or it can be very awkward. Um, and so that has to be managed a little bit. And I, and I think it would be, it's an interesting question, and, and all these things hopefully will come out in time, but the fact that smaller, physically uh, less developed players have to use other things besides physicality when they're playing more developed players may actually be what helps make them become more technical and smart. So I, I would say you wouldn't want to just take them all out of uh, an environment where they're physically um, uh, facing more challenges because you may create another unintended consequence. So it should be an interesting, it should be an interesting uh, thing to look at here as this is rolled out. Well, and we will take a deep look at it, but you know, one of the things you said is it's your goal, just like U.S. soccer's goal, to make our national team stronger. Do you think this will help make our national team stronger? I think if uh, we look at what makes a national team better, you would say ultimately that is better players at the top. And better players at the top come through a better developmental process. So to the extent that uh, this information can be helpful in creating a better environment for a player, um, that's great. I don't, again, I don't think it's a silver bullet. And I think sometimes, you know, this the same way that, uh, technology and data can at some point just become overwhelming and, uh, and, and ineffective because you have too much information to make a decision and you're not quite sure what the information means. I think you have to be careful on things like this as well. So players training with players of, of similar physical levels is a good thing. It's also probably a good thing for them to be challenged in ways um, that are physically based because it, it provides a different stimulus a different, and it provokes a different response from the player. Uh, but it also you have to put it in holistically um, uh, in terms of all the other stuff, social and emotional and that sort of thing. So if, if this is used to educate people, 
um, to maybe to for those who don't know that hey the big strong kid at U12 is just running by everybody and that's not a great uh, predictor of success long term and that may educate a coach to think differently or a parent to think differently that's a positive and that I think will help the environment and help our national teams. Um, uh, is there anything that uh, immediately is a flick of the switch? No, I don't think so. Okay, so with that, it's going to be pretty easy to say, okay, you're 6'5", and you're 220, and you're 5'1", and you're 130. So, boom, we group them. But you already mentioned the fact that really emotional maturity could play a big role and then some of the other effects downward off of that. How in the world could we possibly get to the level where we can group them by emotional maturity? Well, uh, I would say let's first uh, hope to God that we don't start to have emotional maturity evaluations. <laughs> Amen. Of, uh, 10 and 11 and 12 year olds. And I think, again, this is at a point, there comes a point where you get paralysis by analysis and, you know, things can, you can lose the forest for the trees, um, I guess is another way uh, of saying it. And, you know, broadly in this country, I think coaching education uh, would, would, it would be a great service to coaches and to the game in this country generally to have more emphasis put on the cognitive element of the game the decision-making process that players go through and how and why they make decisions. And ultimately that starts with perception and what do they see, where are they looking, and do they know what that information means? Um, all of that and, and is, is more emphasis on that would make huge changes in the quality of player in this country at, at every level. Um, and I think that's an area that really deserves the most priority and the most attention is coaching education. Um, to raise the standard and quality of coaches everywhere, myself included. I'll put my hand up and say I've learned an incredible amount in the past several years, and I hope to continue to be fortunate enough to be surrounded by really good people I've learned from moving forward. So, you know, you know, I think this is a piece of education, and I'd like to see more education um, that actually talks more about the cognitive part and not, not recognizing, okay, we all know the kid who's shaving at 12 is going to beat the kid who's not. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a pretty, pretty common fact. Would ECNL ever consider any kind of this bio-banding testing? Uh, you know, I would have to know more about what we would do with that information. Um, because, you know, and I'm not a physiologist, so I'm not going to pretend to know all the other stuff that goes into the bio-banding assessment. Um, if it's as simple as, you know, the, the, the smaller, less developed players are over here and the bigger players are over here, um, I don't know what that... Um, what global impact that has. Again, as I said, in a training environment to, to try and match like versus like, that makes a lot of sense. Um, at times in competition, will that provide a different picture and a different stimulus? Yes. But I think the most important part is if coaches are teaching cognition and they're teaching decision-making and reading the game, then a coach who's aware of, of that is also aware of the fact that the less developed kid or the physically smaller kid is going to have a harder time um, executing some of the decisions in the game. So, you know, a lot of these issues, I think, go back to education, and education is a long-term fix. And I know it's a lot easier to talk about things that provide uh, some glitz and glamour right away, but I think so many issues that we talk about in, in our landscape are fixed longer term by education and behavioral change, and this can be one piece of it, I'm sure, um, but I think there, there needs to be more.
Finally, Christian labors as the president of ECNL, knowing that uh, we've got representatives from U.S. Youth Soccer, AYSO, and United Soccer Coaches on this call, all addressing what we assume are the members of the United Soccer Coaches. With that, if you only had 60 seconds to truly tell people what they should be looking for or paying attention to with U.S. Soccer doing this bio-banding, what would that message be? That's a... That's a tough question, <laughs> which is, I guess, why you do these shows. But, um, you know, I would just I would just say to look look for what information comes out of it. Well, I mean, what what is the what is the learning uh, and education that is provided from this information? Um, you know, having an event on a weekend where it's big and little uh, is great. Uh, what comes from that? Um, does that is there is there something broader and, and more repetitive or? are we really going to use this as part of a global perspective of teaching development and recognizing that physicality and the place you are in physical development is a part of that process. Not all of it, not even the biggest part, but it is a part of it. And there's things that you should be aware of. Always want to give you a platform as well. Where can people learn more about what's going on right now with ECNL? Uh, on the girls side, www.eliteclubsnationalleague.com. And on the boys' side, www.boysecnl.com, there's a lot of exciting things. And, you know, we're trying, like, a, like everybody in this space, we're trying to continue to provide better resources, better opportunity, and a better environment for players and coaches. And, uh, you know, appreciate your efforts on that and the dialogue that you provoke because that's, that's how we all learn. We, we, we share information and we're challenged and uh, we, we apply it in our own lives. So thank you for, for, for starting this conversation and so many others. It's always my pleasure. Christian Labors, the president for ECNL, always a wonderful guest. Thanks for capping our show today, Christian. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Christian Labor's always great, and he almost capped it. Not quite. We also want to bring in Vince Gansberg, the educational content coordinator for the United Soccer Coaches. He will truly cap it after this message. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. The topic is bio-banding. The guest list, outstanding. Ian Barker setting the table. Sam Snow from U.S. Youth Soccer. Paul Bright from AYSO. Christian Lavers from ECNL. And now back with United Soccer Coaches. But the great part about bringing on Vince Gansberg is that He's been involved with all of these organizations and U.S. soccer, so he's got a certainly a outstanding take on bio-banding. And, Vince, that's why we're so glad to have you on. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Vince, first off, as the education content coordinator for United Soccer Coaches, big-picture view of bio-banding, you've got the floor. What's your take? I think in concept the idea is a good idea in, this, in that, you know, by grouping players by their, you know, by their height and by their size, it's not so overwhelming for the tiniest uh, you know, or smallest players. And it would also force the, the bigger players to actually compete, you know, against players on their own level. And, and, 
and abilities and strength and speed and all that. So I, I think, you know, the initial concept is great. And, and because of one of the reasons why they're doing it is to maybe help keep kids in the game more, then that's always a, a good initiative. Why do you think it was important to get the input from AYSO, ECNL, and U.S. Youth Soccer on what's going on with biobanding? Well, I, I mean, because we're all in um, the business of you know, developing youth, um, not only you know, just for soccer, but you know, hopefully coaches uh, involved in, these, in, in those organizations, um, you know, also developing you know, uh, not just soccer players, but, but just better people. Knowing our audience, and it's coaches at all levels, it's the 30 under 30, it's youth coaches, high school coaches, college coaches, now with Ziggy Schmid being involved, pro coaches. What's your message as the education content coordinator to all of the coaches as they assess bio-banding? What should they be looking for? What should they be thinking? Should they be thinking about it? How do you answer that question? As far as like just coaches that are not involved in the in the developmental academies, um, sure, they should be cognizant of, you know, putting, uh, you know, uh, players that are smaller and, and you know, not as strong against bigger, older players. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, um, you know, kids like to also play with their friends. So yeah, I think they just have to balance it a little bit um, when they, in practice, you know, with these um for just the normal coach. Uh, what I mean, the normal coach is the, uh, you know, the majority of coaches out there, the recreation coach, the, you know, the, the travel or select coach that are not involved in the, in the DA. Finally, Vince, in your role and knowing that you've touched pretty much all these organizations we just mentioned, you're now with what I call the unifier, United Soccer Coaches. How much do you love that role as a unifier, particularly somebody that who's been a consultant? Now you can truly help everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, we're like Switzerland. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're. I think we're. That's more of our role is to help educate, help inform. You know, uh, so you know, I definitely. I mean, I. For example, I just taught a course this past weekend in Milwaukee, and the question came up, uh, the biobanding question. And to be honest, I mean, I just said, look, you know, it's just something that we're just going to have to learn all, learn together, you know, how it's, how it's dealt with. But I think when any decision you ever make, there's an unintended consequence. And um, I know that the social and, and emotional factors will, will play a role with biobanding with, when it comes to kids. And that right there is the perfect ending. Thanks to all of our guests, also to the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. Also want to thank U.S. Soccer for the incredible work they do talking about bio-banding. We wish them the best of luck this weekend in Austin, Texas. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today.